The expectations for Deion Sanders in Colorado are continuing to skyrocket, but what is success for this program? We'll talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? This is Locked on Buffs. I'm your host, Kevin Borba. And joining me today is a special guest, my good friend Raymond Lucas Jr. over from 24-7 Sports, their Pac-12 insider. Um, he's basically the guy that gives you all of that Pac-12 content from 24-7 Sports. So I'm sure you've seen his work. And if you didn't realize it, you probably read it and realized it was great. Uh, Raymond, I appreciate you for coming on. Um, I appreciate you appreciate having another Pac-12 confidant out there. Um, I feel like they're getting the, they're getting slimmer and slimmer out there, you know? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, there's a lot of exciting things going on in Colorado, but I think also a lot of exciting things going on in the Pac-12 in general. So it's been super fun to cover, and I'm excited to talk about it with you. Exactly. And one of the most exciting things is right here, this podcast talking about Colorado and Coach Prime. Um, before we start, though, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Today we are talking about what is a successful tenure for Coach Prime in Colorado during However many years he's here, we're going to talk about why they will or won't succeed under Coach Prime this season and in the future, and what are the expectations for this program. Um, so without further ado, let's dive into what is success for Coach Prime in Colorado. Um, for context, some people say four wins. Some people say six or seven. I'm, I'm more in the middle. I think six or seven would be like the ceiling. I think that's a possibility. I think they have winnable games. And despite the Pac-12 strength that we all know at Raymond, the Pac-12 is going to Pac-12 eventually, and someone's going to lose a game or two they shouldn't. Um, could be a team that Colorado plays. But they've also had people betting on them to win a championship. They've had people like Urban Meyer and Joe Klatt saying that they'll be contending by year two. So kind of what what do we expect here? We're just all over the map. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because there's not really much to go off of right now because there's so many new players and we're going off of last season where it was a big struggle like it was some rough football being played in boulder but then they go and transform that over a few months and so i think in the first season what my expectations would be is to at least get close to a bowl game i don't know if it's fair to say that okay this team should definitely reach a bowl game because if you look at what uh, arizona did when they had their what i think it was one win and then they Jedfish helped get that program. They helped elevate it a little bit. What they've done is steady growth, and I think that should be expected for Colorado as well. But then when you look past this uh, upcoming season, I think there's a lot of exciting things because the biggest thing that stands out to me is how well he recruits. And there's nothing quite like being relatable, and I think that's what Coach Prime does so well, and that's going to attract a lot of recruits. I mean, this is a guy who um, he got – Travis Hunter to go to Jackson State and then he go he says okay I'm going to go and take over this one win program out in Boulder place that Travis Hunter has probably never been to and although it took a little bit for Travis Hunter to announce his destination I think everyone pretty much assumed that it'd be Boulder and when you have that type of impact on your student athletes and just young people in general it's it does a lot for you and I think his what he's going to do in terms of recruiting is going to be hard to rival by other coaches in the Pac-12. Like, I think someone like Lincoln Riley 
that's a, you know, he's great at recruiting, but USC and UCLA are off to the Big Ten soon. So then we just find uh, Coach Prime competing with Dan Lanning over at Oregon and Kalen DeBoer at Washington. I expect him to get some recruits going in. But right now it's really, it just feels like the, for the future of the Pac-12, like what we're looking at once USC and UCLA leave, it's going to just be Coach Prime and uh, Coach Lanning. And so I think the expectations are that this is a program that should be competing in the Pac-12 as time goes on, depending on how long he's there. I think that's probably the more important thing. But if he's there for a few seasons, I don't see a reason why this program can't compete because it's going, you'll see Oregon there. You'll see Washington there. You'll see Utah there, but who knows how long Kyle Winningham's going to be the coach still before he retires. And those are the three, and there's room for a fourth team, and I think that's going to be Colorado. Yeah, I think the fourth team is all, all that matters because Colorado just has to get – they just have to get in contention in the Pac-12. And especially with this future Pac-12 coming up, we assume they're going to expand and add a San Diego State, SMU, whoever it may be. Um, the other night after some – late night thoughts in Austin. Um, I may or may not went downtown. Um, I was advocating for UConn to join the Pac-12, to be honest. So, I mean, they could compete regardless of who joins the Pac-12. I just think it all comes down to recruiting. Um, your company over there at 24-7 always releases, um, I think they're called the blue chip uh, ratio or roster or whatever, or where they break down all the rosters that have, because I think you need to have a 53% blue chip roster or your 53% of your roster needs to be blue chippers to compete for the championship. And so every year they release who has that. And I think TCU is the only anomaly, um, obviously making it to the championship um, just out of left field. But I think the hardest part, and I, I want you to address this too, is what do we consider success for coach prime at Colorado? Because obviously at Jackson state, he took them to the the championship equivalent of at that level um, he won the conference. Um, they dominated. They were far and above better than everybody. Um, they only struggled in the, the, the celebration bowl for some reason, which is like really weird. Um, but they they found success. Um, now he's looking to do so at a higher level. Um, like I said, Urban Meyer is calling for a championship. P- Adam Pacman Jones, everybody, everybody you can imagine that has ties to, to Coach Prime is calling for a championship. And so Say he stays for 10 years, five years, four years, whatever it may be. What does success look like from him? So we he, say he eventually walks away from the program and it's everybody's leaving eventually. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to leave Colorado. I, they get so mad when I say he's going to leave Colorado. It's just hypothetically. Um, uh-huh. If he leaves, if and when, what is success? Is it championships? Is it just Pac-12 championships? Is it um, he recruited really well, kind of fizzled here and there? Um what do you think would success would be, like realistic success? Yeah, so I think usually in this type of situation where you're kind of inheriting a program that's been struggling recently, the you want to leave it better than you found it. But for him, I think he's already done that because I think he's already shown that the right person can get recruits to come to Boulder, and that's a big deal. And so if he is to leave, I think the expectation for fans, like for who the next hire would be, they'd want someone that they know can recruit. But in terms of – what success will look like for him. I think reaching the Pac-12 championship is going to be tough just because, like we said, Oregon and Washington and Utah, those are those programs have been building for quite some time. So to play catch-up like that, it'd take outstanding coaching, outstanding recruiting. I mean, I mean that's possible, but it'd take a lot. But I think if you're flirting with those teams, if you're getting to the point where it's like, 
if you're not making the Pac-12 championship game, you're getting really closer playing in bowl games every year. That's a really big deal because it's there's only, sometimes there's only so much you can do in a situation. Like if a coach was to go and take over Washington State, there's kind of a cap on how high he could reach. Like your success at Washington's going to be higher than what you could do at Washington State or your success at Oregon's going to be higher than what you can do at Oregon State. In Colorado, it feels like they're above what Washington State and Oregon State is mainly because of Coach Prime, but it's just hard to make that next leap because just history and how many guys, like there's so many players that are going to Pac-12 schools that they're, they have ties with the program. Like if you look at Jaden Rashada at Arizona State, a big reason why he went there is because his father played for Arizona State. And so it's like success. When you're having success, like it just, it makes recruiting and all that so much easier because you're, producing players to the NFL or just producing star players. But so when you look at success, I think if they're if they're getting close to a Pac-12 championship, that's like a really big deal. If they're winning Pac-12 championships, I don't know how long he'll be at Colorado because that'd be there's going to be like some big programs in the SEC where, you know, those are kind of where all his ties are that are going to really want him. But, yeah, I think. I think getting two Pac-12 championships or getting close to them, you don't necessarily have to win it to have success at certain programs. Okay. Um, so I'm going to make you do an over or under before we move on. Over or under, we'll go – we'll just go one and a half Pac-12 championships and then over, 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 under a half national championships. I don't see – I don't see a national championship. Um, I think – a Pac-12 championship, it feels that feels like an attainable goal. I don't know if I have an over and under for it, but okay, fair enough. Just the fact that you only with the divisions being gone, you it makes it a little tougher for the sake of Colorado because now like um, there's two programs in the Pacific Northwest that are going to take all the attention when it comes to that, mm. and you know usually it would have been tougher to do that with divisions for Colorado because UCLA and USC are in the South. But I think you only have to be better than like, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this. You have, you can get to the Pac-12 championship without necessarily having to have this dominant season that we've seen from so many of the Pac-12 champions. And that win the right games. Yeah. And you just, and I think that's one thing that we learned from uh, Coach Prime at Jackson State is that even though people talk about how um, the SWAC isn't as good as other FCS conferences, I think his the focus of his players for them to go and win those games that you're supposed to win, that's a really big deal. And if, as long as you're doing that, I think that conference championships are certainly attainable because then you know your players are going to get up for those big games, but how focused are they for those little games and – there's so many teams over the years. I think a lot of teams, for some reason, for a lot of teams, it ends up being Arizona State where they kind of go into that game sleepwalking and then they get tripped up. I don't feel like Colorado's going to do that against teams that they're supposed to beat. Yeah, I think Colorado's going to do the tripping up. Um, before we move on, the NBA playoffs are almost here and the time is now to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drain. 
Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, Raymond, we talked about what a successful tenure at Colorado is. Um, I tried to trap you into doing a, a championship prediction. You, you avoided the trap successfully. Um, but now I need to know why or why not Colorado will succeed in general. Uh, I think this season, I think success is anywhere from six to eight wins, like throw parade, you know, um, that'd be huge. Um, but why will, will they not succeed in the coach prime era? I think the biggest reason I, I really believe that they'll succeed. I think that Colorado has an extremely bright future. And I think the main, reason why as we've referenced it a little bit already is that usc and ucla are leaving and that is a very big deal like even if san diego state and smu replace them and they come in and they're the new pac-12 teams i'm fine with that if i'm colorado because you're not those two programs in la ucla they've kind of been off and on they were really good last year and they're not nearly as good as they should be every year which i don't know what's going on over there but those two programs, those are that's an issue. Trying to go against those guys and trying to be great in the Pac-12, like they're a big hurdle. And so, not having to deal with those guys on your schedule every single season is huge. And I think it allows uh, Coach Prime to tap into LA a little more and get some of those players. Because while I think that USC and UCLA's recruiting is going to be elevated since they're going to the Big Ten. I also think that they're going to have to change their recruiting approach a little bit because they're going to have to be able to fit in with the Big Ten and get those bodies. So then maybe they'll start to go and grab more kids from the Midwest. And so kids from L.A. are kind of getting um, overlooked a little bit. And then Oregon sometimes is good at scooping those guys up. But there's only (laughs) there's a lot of players in L.A. And I think that's a place where Colorado, they'd really want to dominate because that's where you get some great skill players. And so I think another thing is that the culture is already shifting, which is why I see success for Colorado, because they haven't played a game yet, and the hype is unreal. And I, the hype isn't really this thing that's – I mean, it's annoying to some people who, you know, I mean, some people are just bitter. <laughs> some people are – they don't like seeing positivity. But I think the way Colorado does it is so unique, and it's it just feels like they're going to succeed because – we see everything, well, not everything, but we see so much of what's going uh, behind the scenes while his son's behind the camera and showing us all these things. And we're hearing Coach Prime's messages and we're hearing like just how he's getting the team to approach games and opportunities the right way and all that stuff. It, it means something <laughs> like it's it when you're when you're properly preparing your team mentally for the task ahead, they're going to be so much better because like we said, they're going to be the team that's doing tripping up instead of the team that's stumbling against teams that they shouldn't. And so the success, it's, it's hard to like kind of say they'll go and they'll become national champions because I think if you look at Georgia, before Georgia became a national champion, they were close. They were, they were close to making the playoff and then they eventually made the playoff and then they were close to making the national championship and then they made it and then they had that, one year when they lost to Alabama, but they were really close to winning it. And so I think that's what it takes to win a national championship. But for you to succeed, I think it just takes having the right people in the building and being a great recruiter 
And I think Colorado is doing both of those things. I think people are going to kind of say, well, you know, we don't know how good of a coach he is, but I think you're always going to get that. Like if Colorado wins three Pac-12 championships in a row and then gets hired at some, and then Coach Prime gets hired at some school in the SEC, we're going to hear fans in the SEC saying, yeah, but he did it in the Pac-12, just like fans in the Pac-12 are saying, yeah, but he did it at Jackson State. So it's always going to be a thing. I'm not too worried about that. But, yeah, it just feels like it feels like the command he has on the program and the way the program's just letting him be himself and do things how he wants to do them. Like sometimes you have to just be fine with getting out of the way and letting mm-hmm. people do what they're trying to do. And it feels like that's, what hap- that's what's happening at Colorado for Coach Prime. Yeah, there was a couple of things that you said that I want to touch on. One, and we talked about, uh, me and my other co-host talked about it on yesterday's episode. Colorado has gone to a point where there's so much hype and buzz around them that people are starting to just hate on them just to hate on them. I think we talked, they don't like new blood in college football. Um, they didn't like when Clemson finally got over the Clemsoning phase where they were just kind of shoot themselves in the foot every year. And then all of a sudden they started winning. Um, they don't like... Even when Texas is trying to get back, a program that I used to cover, um, people don't like the thought of Texas competing again and competing nationally again. Um, They kind of just want, like, especially in the SEC, they want it to be Bama, they want it to be Georgia, and even Mm -hmm. then the uh, the rest of the fans of other programs, they don't want that to – they don't even want those guys to succeed. No one wants to see anyone succeed in college football. It's this weird thing where it's like, it's my team or nobody's team. Um, I'm not saying you need to pledge for your conference or whatever it may be. Cause I, I, I don't know if I support the support the conference. Um, if your team lost mindset, because I feel like that's kind of weird, but I yeah. still think that a lot of people are hating on Colorado because they can kind of sense that there's possibly a new, a new staple of college football coming in and it's a non-traditional powerhouse. Um, and then the other thing, the biggest thing that Coach Prime, and I think this is the biggest reason he will succeed. One, I think he's going to lose Sean Lewis eventually um, as his offensive coordinator. I think Sean Lewis kind of is, I mean, he was already a head coach. So it's not like he's not proven as a head coach. But I think if he continues to hire the right staff like he has been, um, and I think if he continues to kind of, and I don't think enough people are, are looking at this, he's building Colorado as if it was an SEC team. Um, or as close as you could get. And that's why he's putting such an emphasis on Florida, Texas, Georgia, um, all these, all those Southern states. And he's getting those recruits at a, like, he's getting a lot of Florida recruits and he's getting some Georgia recruits and he's in the mix for a lot of these guys. But the more he builds Colorado, like an SEC team, they've emphasized physicality, speed, strength. There's going to be a point where Colorado has a roster that the pack, the rest of the pack 12 really can't, I don't say compete with, but they really can't compare themselves to um, because Utah, they pride themselves off of finding gems. Um, they get four stars every once in a while. Um, they're very, Kyle Whittingham, very good recruiter, but they find those gems. They find those guys that are overlooked. Um, Oregon is the only program that can recruit equally. And I think Dan Lanning even emphasized that he wants to recruit like an SEC program. And so for Coach Prime to already be doing that in year one, I think that just kind of shows the sky's the limit um, because they're working with no proof at Colorado like he got all these transfers all these recruits with no um, proof of evidence if you will like obviously Jackson State was there but no tangible power five proof yet and so I think his recruiting his coaching staff and then his ability to connect I think that's another reason Um, we had one recruit tell us he's the coolest coach in America and I think he he just is gonna lean into that and I think having um, his son's company kind of always broadcasting what's happening and they're going to have another documentary coming out. I just think he's accessible. And I think that really is something that 
kids these days enjoy. Um, and so, yeah, I think that'll be a really exciting aspect of the Coach Prime era that we will see. Before we move on to our last topic of the day, of the day I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Bus your first listen. Today, for your second listen, check out a brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shad and Annie Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court, plus hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, Raymond, expectation time. I need a number. I, I don't. I, I can't have just, oh, they might do good if they recruit. I need a number from you. So I'm going to trap you this time. Um, ex, we'll go expectations for year one, um, over, under, five and a half. Um, and then expectations for the whole tenure. Are they a Pac-12 contender? Are they a middle-of-the-pack team? What, what do we think here? So I think um, a couple – couple months ago maybe it was a couple weeks ago i don't know time's kind of moving crazy with the ncaa tournament having just finished um i think i projected colorado to finish four and eight and then since then i've kind of thought about it and then asked myself well why do i think they're going to finish four and eight and i think i went with the assumption that they're going to lose to tcu and the assumption that they're going to lose to nebraska and then I found myself thinking, well, why? Is it because Colorado won one game last year? And I'm thinking of how Colorado looked when they played TCU and the fact that TCU went to the national championship. And I realized I'm ignoring the fact that TCU has a lot <laughs> to replace. And even though they're yeah. the home team in that game, they don't have their quarterback. They don't have their running back. I don't think they – I think they're missing their – they're not going to have their two best wide receivers, certainly not uh, their – They're missing a – they're missing a yeah. lot. I did a I did a preview literally yesterday about TCU for this upcoming season. They lost their quarterback, their two best running backs. Um, I think they lost two or three of their top receivers. <laughs> they lost a bunch of offensive linemen. Um, their defense wasn't good last year anyway, but they lost some of their best secondary players. And so TCU is kind of in a similar situation as well, where it's like whole new roster. So yeah, that that is a winnable game, I think. And I think another thing about TCU is they were really great at finishing games, but it they weren't this team that couldn't be beat because there were a lot of teams that almost beat them last year. And it was just, they always say at those games that you win by one or two points, it could go the other way. Like last year could have been a disaster for TCU had things gone differently, had teams been able to close another way, but I'm not going to take any credit from them because they were really good and they were special to watch, but that was last year's team. This year's team, they're trying to replace a lot of players, and they have a lot of unknowns, and they're trying to do all of this while opening with Colorado in week one. And although we don't know what Colorado will look like, we know which players will be in which position. So we know that Shador Sanders, we know that he'll be starting. We kind of know what he brings to the table. I think he he could have a bit of a slow start, just like Cameron Ward had last season at Washington State, just because – I think adjusting to the power five level can be a little difficult because you find yourself throwing passes that, you know, you could make at the FCS level, but you can't make at the power five level, but he's also really smart with the ball. So I don't think it would be a big issue. Like I don't think he'll have double digit interceptions or anything, but I just think there'll be a couple where it will be like, Oh yeah, he could have do that um, against SWAC teams, but you can't do that against the PAC 12. Mm-hmm. And so I think, TCU is a much more winnable game than people realize. And then you look at Nebraska. And again, they're, that's another one. They're just they're bad. Bad. They were just as bad. <laughs> Nebraska, Nebraska scounds like 
it sounds terrifying at first. Like when you just think in Nebraska, how they usually play their style of play, it's always physical. They always have, um, you know, just these imposing dudes, but they weren't impressive last season either. And if I were looking at which situation I'd rather be in when it comes to Colorado or Nebraska heading into 2023, I'd rather be Colorado. And so it's, I think if I think there'll be two really close games, and I kind of want to go with six wins. I think that's where Ooh. I want to go because I like it. When you look at those games, though, I think those are the two defining ones. I mean, maybe they'll be able to steal a win. Like I think a big game that's going to be, um, it's a potential trap game. Is going to be for USC when they go to Boulder because hmm. that's a game that it should be a blowout. Just USC, the level that they're going to be, they should be playing at. Um, all the playmakers they have, it should be a blowout, but that game's going to be sold out. The altitude's going to be a little bit higher than the USC players are used to. It's just going to be a different experience. And I'm not predicting an upset win there, but I do think that that's room for, oh, maybe they'll be able to get one of those. Because there's, like you said earlier, there's always that one weird upset in the Pac 12. And that could be it. I don't know if it will be. But, yeah, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking six. And I think when I look at the Pac-12 in general, um, when Bo Nix leaves, when Michael Penix leaves, there's going to be room for a new quarterback to step up. And I think both those guys will be gone after next season. Uh, I'd expect that Shador, even if he has a good year, I think he'll come back to Colorado for another season just because – um, his father, Coach Prime, has said that he doesn't have interest coaching in the NFL. So if you're Shador, you only have this one opportunity, one more year really to – well, after next season, one more year to play with your father. And it's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, although he may have a COVID year, so I don't know how many more years he has. But in general, it's only a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so I think he'll make the most out of his eligibility unless, of course, he's like, you know, a surefire first-round pick, then I don't see him coming back. But – yeah, I think when those two quarterbacks leave, Washington and Oregon, they're going to kind of be tasked with replacing a guy, and maybe they'll go through the transfer portal, which offers a quick solution, but maybe they don't. And maybe they try to – they both have been recruiting quarterbacks, and maybe they try to have these homegrown guys. And that's when Colorado has room to strike because then all these players that aren't seniors, they're going to come back, and they're going to be more experienced, and they're going to be hungry, and – you know, they may take a couple lumps this upcoming season, but I think those will only motivate them and fill them. So I think what we, I would be surprised if Colorado didn't win a Pac-12 championship. I don't know if how likely – well, no, yeah, because the college football playoffs expanding. So really a trip to the playoff isn't this unrealistic thing because – They just have to be what, a top-off team. <laughs> yeah, you, you just have to be the best team in your conference. And what we've learned in the Pac-12 is that can change quite a bit. And – like you said, one thing that I wanted to go back to is, like you said, Utah – or not Utah. Um, Colorado is recruiting like an SEC program. And one thing that we learned in the Pac-12 is that physical teams, they usually have a lot of success because that's what Utah has done, and that's how they've kind of grinded into being back-to-back Pac-12 champions. And Oregon, when they're really good, they're really physical. And Washington, when they're really good, they didn't necessarily – run the ball with these big physical backs, but they are really physical on defense. And so all those, all those types of things that you get them from recruiting SEC type athletes and players from those regions. So 
Colorado's definitely going about it the right way. I'd be, like I said, I'd be surprised if they didn't win a Pac-12 championship. I think it will take a couple years. But this season, I think six and six is definitely doable. And at worst, I think four and eight. Because I think they showed last season that, first of all, they could beat California. And so they're they're good enough to at least win one game, which it didn't feel like that at times. But the fact that they were it shows it shows the the mindset of the team because it was bad. It, it was things were going yeah. rough last season. And but to know that you have all these fans that are packed into this stadium and you know they're rooting you on and you're like, okay, we have this opportunity to go and beat California and to actually do it, I think that said a lot about that program and mm-hmm. I think although there's like been a lot of transformation in the roster, some of those guys are still in that locker room. And so I think I'd have to, I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but they do play, they play Stanford, correct? Yes, they do. Yeah, Stanford. And then I know they have Cal- California on the schedule again. They have, they have Colorado state. Um, these are games off the top of my head that I know are winnable for them. Colorado state, Stanford. Um, I believe Cal. Um, I know for a fact they have UCLA, who I think a lot of people are expecting a lot from UCLA, but their quarterback situation worries me. Um, yeah, they're coming. I'd be, I'd be, I think UCLA is six or seven win team. Yeah, I think they're going to steep decline. And so there, there's winnable games out there. I, I went through the schedule and I kind of counted six or seven, counting one upset. Um, there's just, they have Don't Arizona State as well. That, so yeah, they have winnable games out there. And I think uh, another thing to focus on too is they have the SEC build. They have the SEC staff who I don't think it's a coincidence that majority of his staff is coming from like Alabama or some other SEC program or NFL um, team. I think he knows the the direction he needs this program to go in order to succeed. And I think he's building that. And I think we'll see that. Um, we'll probably see an in increments in year one um, just because this is like I keep saying this is the worst year to try to emerge in the Pac-12 because there's probably five or six teams that have legitimate Pac-12 championship hopes and legitimate playoff aspirations. And it's weird to say that there's five teams with playoff aspirations, but for any one of those teams, something could go completely right. And an Oregon State could be in the playoff. Uh, um, a Wa- or a Washington could be in the playoff. Uh, USC was two wins away against Utah from being in the playoff, or at least one win away. They win the Pac-12 championship, they're probably in. Um, yeah. So the toughest year to, to kind of just jump in and succeed right away. But I think you and me both agree that there will be success on the horizon for this program. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, Raymond. Um, guys, go make sure to check him out on Twitter. I have his Twitter under his name down there, um, at Raymond Lucas Jr., um, we appreciate you for coming on. Go check out his Pac-12 writing. Um, always great stuff. Always with the great ideas, too. He's always got something obscure cooking. I, I appreciate his articles all the time. Um, Raymond, thanks for coming on, and we hope to have you back on when the season gets going. Thank you for the kind words, and I'll come on anytime. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Have a good day, guys. We will see you guys on Monday.